When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And, well, let's just get right to it, man. I'm going to introduce my – he's not really my special co-pilot for the week. He's just uh, – he's going to be off and on my regular co-pilot here on the Tim May Podcast for the uh, 2022 season, which promises to be possibly a great one for Ohio State. But, ladies and gentlemen, Spencer Holbrook, as I refer to him most often, glue man. Uh, Spencer Holbrook, welcome to the Tim May Podcast again, my man. Tim, just glad that you can uh, have me in the cockpit co- co-piloting this uh, fantastic flying machine. Well, as I used to tell your other, the uh, my other co-pilot, keep your hands off the controls unless I tell you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and please don't push any buttons like my grandsons do. But I digress. Hey, bottom line, let's get right into it. I've got an interesting uh, show, I think, today again because uh, I also have as my special guest. Uh, Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com. We're going to talk about uh, Big Ten expansion. Is it over? And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Buckeyes. And, you know, he's a guy with his uh, eyes on the national scene, much like my guest last week, Bill Bender, has his eyes on the national scene. And where Ohio State and Alabama fit into that. You know, this collision course they seem to be on. But because when we talk about Ohio State football, we are talking about the national scene. But before I get to that, you know, We've been going to all these press conferences, watching a little bit of practice when we can, a full practice when we got the opportunity. What do you think is the question Ohio State has answered the most in this preseason camp, or at least that you're satisfied with the answer you're going to see on September the 3rd? Tim, I think it's got to be, and of course the entire offense is, offseason has been dominated by the defensive side of the ball. I think the biggest thing that I've had answered maybe is just the fact that this defense is ready to go. And Jim Knowles is, has got, you know, like you said, on Monday, 75% of this thing installed. I don't know if they're going to get much higher than that because he always likes to have a little bit of that wiggle room, as we talked about earlier on you know, yesterday on the practice report. Uh, you know, I, I just think that when you look at the way that this offense is set up, there's not really a lot of questions um, other than maybe on the offensive line. And so you can kind of shift your eyes to the defense and, is it ready to play against Notre Dame? Is it ready to take on a top five offense, an offensive line that is respected by everyone in the country? Uh, and the answer so far has been a resounding yes. Now that's still, you know, Ryan Day's favorite saying this preseason has been the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be some fun pudding on September 3rd. Uh, so we'll just see how it plays out. But I, I do think this defense is just ready to roll. And that was my biggest question coming in is, is it going to be, you know they're going to go out there and play regardless, but is it going to be ready? The answer so far looks like yes. You think uh, Ryan Day's angling for an NIL agreement with uh, Jello pudding pops? I mean, what, what's your what's your guess on that? I don't know. Maybe he's a is he a vanilla pudding or a chocolate pudding guy? I don't know. I think you know. I think he uh, probably a Neapolitan. You know, if they, if in fact there is one, but uh, you know he does. I mean, Tim May uses that uh, uses that term proof is in the pudding also a lot because like like I said my. You, the jury's got to be still be out on this defense until, like you say, you see them do it against uh, a true opponent, and they're getting a true opponent in that September third opener. But you know what? Uh, 
Let's just move on real quickly to my conversation with Dennis Dodd, like I said, about whether the uh, Big Ten is true is through expanding. He thinks it's not. He thinks it's headed to 20. I'm giving away a little bit of the goods there. Uh, but, you know, I kind of a little bit skeptical about that. Uh, and, and we also talk about the Ohio State where it fits in the national scene, which is right up there in one of those top two spots uh, with Alabama going into the 2022 season. That's easier for me to say. But without any further ado, let's get to my conversation with Dennis Dodd. And as always, man, I'm really pleased to welcome in my next guest, Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. And uh, Dennis stays on top of everything, as I was telling you earlier, has been doing it for decades. Isn't that right, Dennis? Yeah, sadly, that's true. I, I don't know about doing it right for decades, but I've been around decades. Yeah. Yes, you've been around for decades, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he even has he even has a home away from home. That's what I like about Dennis Dodd. That's a success he is. But Dennis, I just wanted to jump right in with you, man. I mean, the Big Ten obviously uh, announced its well, record breaking. Is that the right word? Uh, 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 yeah, media rights deal. Huh? Yeah. yeah. But starting in 2023 next year and stuff with CBS, NBC, and of course Fox. And uh, I'm, I don't know, is just from stuff, you know, we've been seeing around, stuff I've been reading from you, et cetera, but also, uh, you know, you're hearing from some reputable sources. They may not be done yet that ESPN might still be in the picture in the final analysis. What just what kind of update people on what you think here as we talked the end of last week? Yeah, I do. I do think they're going to make a concerted effort to expand. I, I don't think I'd be, you know, go out there and say they are going to expand because I don't know if anybody can predict that, but yeah, Kevin Warren has left enough breadcrumbs around these last couple of months that you're kind of get a picture of what he wants to do. I think he wants to expand. I think he wants to establish a West wing on the West coast with, uh, with USC and UCLA and maybe two or four more from the PAC 12 and then go to his presidents and say, look, we can put together the best academic and athletic conference there has ever been if we do this, because it's going to be a, a, a tough haul. Um, yeah. The, the other the other part of that is maybe not so tough. The presidents, I think there's five or six presidents in the, in the Big Ten that have West Coast Pac-12 degrees. So there's something to be said for that. But when he when he dropped a little crumb with me on on Tuesday, I talked to him before the contract came out, uh, the deal came out. And he said that ESPN might still be in this because we're all writing them off, right? Yeah. You know, just the first time in 40 years, they don't have a relationship. Well, think about this, Tim. The contract's done. Uh, the windows are done. The exclusivity with those three networks, they know what they're getting. The only right. thing left is the draft of the games. If there's any extra tonnage or inventory, somebody has to show it and somebody has to pay for it. And so that would be ESPN would be that add-on. At a discounted price, because I don't think they, you know, obviously they wouldn't have to pay as much as the other um, rights holders because they're not getting as many games. But even to that point where there was pushback when the those four schools were first mentioned, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington, because they didn't bring equal value to a USC or UCLA, which we now know is like $80 million a year. Yeah. Well, that, that doesn't really matter now. If ESPN is paying for that, um, you know, everybody's still making money. So yeah. I, I I dare say I think that that will happen. Um, don't hold me to it, but I think that's where this thing is headed. I think it's headed towards a twenty team Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I I literally don't think things are over. But the flip side of that is, no. you know, I had reputable people telling me that when when this when this deal that was announced last week was being done, that finally 
those people that were involved, meaning the networks that were involved were saying, well, hey, you may add two more teams, but this is the pie. This is this is the pie you're going to get, right? You know what I mean? That that was the ultimate size of the pie. So if you had two or four more uh, without adding, of course, the uh, the biggest plum left on the tree, which is Notre Dame, uh, your, your slices are going to be smaller from that pie because this is what we can afford. This is what we project, et cetera. That was not taking into account like you said, a fourth member coming into the deal, which would be ESPN, which could sweeten that pie to a certain extent, which is kind of what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think those four those four schools would come in at a discounted rate because they've been told they don't bring pro rata. Right. And if your choice is between, you know, what may be a crumbling Pac-12 that you're not going to sign a grant of rights for anyway, and the security of the Big Ten at, at a lower number, uh, a lower payout than the other 16 members. I think I know what I would do. Yeah. Um, and let me say this, there's some historical perspective to this. In 2016, uh, the Big 12 tried to do this. They had a clause in their contract, a composition clause in their contract. Uh, the Big 10 apparently had the same sort of clause. Back in 2016, the number with ESPN, or the clause with ESPN said, the Big 12 could expand by, I think, as many as four members, maybe more, but they would get, uh, I think the number was a billion dollars, $250 million each for the rest of the contract. Didn't matter who they were. Yeah. About that. Um, and it ended up being the four, basically the four that you see now in the Big 12, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, UCF, and what was the fourth? It was those four that were basically being considered. And be, part of the reason they weren't they didn't expand is they, the big 12 wanted to, uh, didn't want to piss off um, ESPN and, and exercise that clause, which would have been a billion dollars. They acted in good faith. Well, look where that got them, you know, Texas and Oklahoma left. And that was that. Yeah. Uh, but but my, my, what I'm trying to determine here, and the big 10 has it too, these, these composition clauses, I think they're all boilerplate in all these deals. This is not exclusive to the big, the big 10, you know, there's escalator clause. Well, no, if you're a smart lawyer for a conference, you put in there, okay, but wait a minute, if we at if we at any point decide to add teams, here's what it's gonna cost or or you know what has to happen for it to to come about. So I yeah. don't think that's a huge piece of news for the Big Ten, but there is some historical perspective there. Yeah. There is a, there's there's a certain value in adding inventory. That's what they call it anymore, game inventory to to the stockpile. And uh, you know, you're exactly right. It's funny though, you know, I asked I'm going to run the little clip I had uh, later in my podcast here, but I asked uh, 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 Gene Smith about when you look at all of this, you know, Ohio State is worth so much more on the shelf. You know what I mean? If you want to talk inventory, Ohio wow. State, probably Michigan, uh, Penn State, Michigan State, or some of these schools. But if you look at Ohio State's fan base, I did a I did a uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, with Dr. Darren White out of Sanford University, just talking about the fan base that Ohio State has, which is the largest in the country, a bona fide fan base. Alabama yeah. second, but by almost two million people less, fewer. Uh, but the point is, why wouldn't when you're negotiating, why wouldn't Ohio State be worth more? Why wouldn't Ohio State get a bigger share of the pie, you know, than the others? You know what I mean? And uh, and like you know, Gene's Gene basically doesn't want to go that route because he went that route as an athletic director at Iowa state when he was in the big 12 and felt like, you know, they got short shrift, but Ohio state 
that I, Alabama, I think they are, State too. They, they are <laughs> worth more to the league, aren't they? To each league than, than maybe some of the others. Just what, what's your thought on that? Yeah, they are, but you have to have a dance party. Yeah, exactly. They, they are, but does Ohio State want to go independent and exercise that? No, that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, d despite leaving money on the table for decades, Notre Dame is going to stay independent. But no, you need a dance partner. It's 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 the and it's the combination of games. It's not just Ohio State. It's Ohio State, Michigan. It's Ohio State, Michigan State. It's now Ohio State, USC, UCLA. It's Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. That's what gives it the value, and the fact that the Big Ten still has a quarter of the U.S. population in its footprint. And now if you throw in L.A. Yeah. and maybe more of the West Coast, those big cities, Seattle, Portland, it's going to be more than that. So you could see, you, you can almost see what's happening here. It, it's, it's an attempt to conquer the world. Yeah. Um, and with, you know, with Kevin Warren calling the shots, and we saw that, I don't know if you saw it, but the, uh, the transcript from HBO Real Sports on Friday where Kevin Warren told uh, Brian Gumbel, yeah, we want to go to 20 teams, and I think it's worth looking at paying players. Yeah. So that you can see where this is headed. The first one to pay players or the first conference to do revenue sharing has a tremendous advantage in recruiting up this through. I give him credit. Yeah. Flip side of it is Gene Smith, one of the major domos in the Big Ten as far as, you know, calling the shots. And, and basically, is in, in essence, I think uh, basically it's not thinking they're going to be expanding anytime soon past the 16. And number two, uh, that will basically he is not for the pay players kind of aspect of things. Yeah. As he said, when I, when we get to that, I'm out. Uh, meaning, right. You know, you're, you're forgetting about the value added uh, that these players enjoy other than tuition room board and books uh, for their playing, you know, all the training, uh, the, I mean, even the mental health aspect of things, he went through the litany of things, you know, there's a fine line there. Cause obviously the, the quarterback for Ohio state had said earlier in the day, CJ Stroud about how, yeah, you know, you got to know what you're worth and players are worth something in this thing. It's just an interesting, we're in an interesting time here where finally after like decades of talking about these kind of things, though, some of these things can come true, right, Dennis? They're already coming true. Yeah. Yeah. Gene's right. And I respect his opinion, but we've been paying players for years now. Um, yeah. The cost of attendance would not go to athletes if they weren't athletes the alston right. money six thousand dollars a year goes only to athletes um and, and so Ohio, by, by the way right? and ohio state ohio state's going to pay the maximum uh there yeah. they budgeted six million dollars for that you know go yeah. ahead though and, I, and as i've said if that's true and it is the, the average person on the street doesn't consider that i don't think no. then all we're talking about is the, is the number of zeros at the end of the check you know, so, well, how much? Okay, if we're going to talk about that, how much is too much? Yeah, is you know, is uh, is Will Anderson driving a Porsche at Alabama? Is that too much? Well, no, it's a it, it's a it, according to the rules, it's absolutely allowed. Now we can have another discussion about how the NCA let it get to be that way, but look, they're being compensated, and my my end point in all this is it hasn't changed the games no people still fill stadium stadiums the shoe is filled it hasn't turned off fans and it won't turn off fans yeah now the transfer portal is having more of an it when you when you couple the transfer portal with the nil now you really got something going on etc uh you know the transfer portal in my opinion has always been the more transformative thing that's going on here more than anything else because but the, then when you get the nil involved it's crazy 
what's coming down the road, you know, and, and and I don't think they can really get a handle on it. I keep reminding people NIL is law. Now we're not talking about NCAA rules. You know, and right. you can't put right. laws back in the book, you know, so to speak. Hey, uh, real quick though, uh, uh, while I got you, uh, what is your, what is your, does your crystal ball see 20 teams in the big 10 within the next eight years? What does what your crystal ball show? Oh, I think it might happen in the next few months or weeks. But you know where um, I'm going with that. Kinda, so you so you say that. So who would who in your mind uh, is the candidate or the candidates? Well, those right now, those four. Uh I think Notre Dame is staying put as an independent. I think those four are being targeted. I, there's no Tim, there's no one else on the board. There's no one else available. Yeah. Uh, Oregon and Washington are the two best football brands, quote unquote, available because they are in the process of negotiating a contract with with the Big Twelve. They're out for bid. Yeah, we can talk about Florida State, Clemson, and Miami at, in the ACC, but they they have a grant of rights for fourteen more years. Right in the ACC, so they're not right now available. They could be in a huge legal fight. I don't think there's anywhere else that the Big Ten can go. I mean, look where we're talking about with those four. I just said they're undervalued. They're not going to bring eighty million a year. But if it gets ESPN's nose under the tent and they want to be there, because look, ESPN's going to be showing not only Oregon, but Oregon, Ohio State. At some exactly. Point, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, at some point and, and for a discounted rate. So I mean, to me, that that those are the only players left on the board. And, and even at that discounted rate, they're going to be making more money than they'd be making with the with the uh, Pac-12. Anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That was totally- priced at the, the 10 existing teams, Tim, I'll tell you real quick. Uh, without USC and UCLA lost about, oh, what was it, 40% of their value to the point that very optimistically they were worth um, $300 million a year. So that's $30 million per school. And I was told that was very optimistic. It was more more like the 20s. Wow. So, you know, give me a number. They're going to be making a lot more in the Big Ten. Wow. Dennis, you're, you're a college football fan. I mean, you don't cover it as passionately yeah. without – is is what's happening good for college football that the Pac-12 can basically almost, in essence, float away? I mean, in in a lot of you know, in terms of like importance, et cetera. Is it good that the Big Twelve, you know, is still in this flux, et cetera? I mean, well, what, what's your take on it, man? Because these are still universities that have played football for a long time and have contributed, like you said, to the growth of the game, et cetera. But do you do you like what's going on with an SEC Big Twelve Big Ten dominated world? Yeah, I'm kind of agnostic in it. Um, you know, it, it just is. Uh, yeah, it, I think there's a separate yeah. discussion because a line, realignment doesn't stop at the top SEC and Big Big Ten. I think there's a discussion to be had below that. Obviously, the Big Twelve and and uh, Pac Twelve right now, and it's what, everything we've seen in the last ten years. But to me, it just is what it is now. Uh, and it's it's not unlike your local bank changing hands five times in 10 years because banks are consolidating. We know that that's just business. That's that's economics. Yeah. And maybe that's all this is. But yeah. when you get to the top with the SEC and Big Ten, it's more than a coincidence. I, I will tell you that there are the same number of teams in those conferences beginning in 24 than there, there, there are in the NFL, 32, yeah. same number. Uh, that's That comparison has been made. So beyond having all the power and the money and everything else, I think there's still, because it's college, there's going to be a stewardship aspect and a responsibility aspect 
to the whole thing. Where does that money go? Uh, again, we just talked about how much can you make before the, the athlete doesn't share in that. And they will. I think they will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think these people can look at themselves in the mirror and not share it with the athletes now. Um, medical care beyond uh, eligibility. A uh, number of games played because I think that we could do a whole show. The next thing is the playoffs going to expand. I think it's going to expand pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, gee, and that's yeah. going to be a big, big number. Yeah. Asking yeah. players to play 16, 17 games. Yeah. And so at that, that level, at that and, level of game. And that's, I mean, that's stuff that, yeah. yeah. And we're, it's not, we're it's not Ohio about, State, Arkansas State. You know what I mean? It's uh, uh, at that level. No, it's, it's elite athletes. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, things that are collectively bargained in the pros. Oh, you want to add playoff games and playoff teams? Go, oh, sure. 17 games, sure. That's a huge mountain to climb in uh, in college. Do you think it will start? Do you think paying players eventually will start with at least giving them bonuses for playing in college football playoff games? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Isn't that sort of the foot in the door? Yeah. I. Yeah. If it's not revenue sharing, which is, I think, the way Kevin Warren wants to go yeah. initially, because you may yeah. have you may have some Title IX issues there. Right. Um, but I think you could, for lack of a better term, you just mentioned it. I think you could pay uh, players appearance fees for the playoff or to play in bowl games. You know, frankly, uh, I know there's been some talk among the bowls about that, you know, what they could give players to make sure they show up. This all started a few years, years ago with Christian McCaffrey and um, uh, the running back from LSU. Oh, both. Yeah. Remember that? They both. Yeah. Opted, yeah. 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 They both opted out and people lost their minds. I think they were both injured at the time. They were both going to be high draft picks. What other decision would you, you or I have made? Yeah. I mean, for a, for a bowl game, even a January 1st bowl game to ruin a career where you could make 60, 80, a hundred million dollars. So, and so that kind of hit it off. Now yeah. others have done it. I think after I saw Jameson Williams go down in that, um, in the playoff game against Georgia, the receiver from Alabama, I started thinking in the back of my head, how soon do these guys start skip, skipping playoff games? Yeah. Because again, I know they're wanting to play for it all, but the balance, if this is after the absolutely top guys, yeah. the balance is, well, you're going to get a $60 million handed to you in two months as a first round draft choice. What do you want to do? And they, there's insurance, there's loss of draft value, but that doesn't provide very much. I think that's coming. Uh, and then that's why I think you're going to see appearance fees. But, where, but when you start skipping games, where do you stop? I mean, because every game's jeopardy. Every time you put the helmet on, it's jeopardy big time. You know, I mean, Ohio State had a running back, Evan Pryor, go down, you know, the second week of second week of practice. I mean, this guy was going to have a, you know, they were planning stuff for the, you understand yeah. what I'm saying there. It's like, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson uh, skipped the Rose Bowl last year. And Ohio State still had one of the most fantastic games you've ever seen, yeah. et cetera. Uh, and, you know, let's say they paid them $50,000 to play in the Rose Bowl. That wouldn't have gotten them to stay because they were both high first round. Draft no, it wouldn't. You know, it's well, I, I hate to mention the, the E word, but you know what gets them on the field? Their employees. Yeah. And well, I know yeah. that's the biggest step and one a lot of people don't want to consider. But if you're if, if you're an employee or even if it's collectively bargained, um, you know, there's still a lot of lawyers that tell me you could collectively bargain stuff like that and they wouldn't be employees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fifty thousand dollars isn't going to keep uh, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave in the Rose Bowl. You're right. Yeah, and you just hit the nail on the head, though. By the way, before I move on to one, my last couple of questions, the nail on the head is: if you start paying these guys, you literally probably have to have them 
under quote contract end quote they will be working for you and yeah. number two that that would be a way to get a handle on the transfer portal and things like that but do we really want nfl light i mean do we really really truly even fans do we really want that there's still an innocence i think in college that exists even with everything we have today with nil and again, I think that's where this comes. Collective bargaining solves the issue with the transfer portal at NIL. I think you collectively bargain it. You know, I'll, I'll give you X in return for this. Correct. For two years at our school, let's say two years, you agree to stay for two years unless you're abused or something like that. Uh, <laughs> then we give you X. I, I think that's fair. That doesn't, uh, from when this started in the 80s, I started considering this. Like, what's what's the threshold where fans are turned off and people turn off their televisions. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big one, Tim. Yeah. I, I think they'd accept it. But I always say this for ask you my last thing. Uh I always say this though. You can put the you can put most of the players that are on Ohio State's roster right now and if there wasn't all the ballyhoo about recruiting them and all the, the publicity they get from guys like us, you know, et cetera, going through the mill, et cetera, you could put them in uh orange and green uniforms and they'd play yeah. at Columbus Crew Stadium, they might draw 5,000 people. You know, there's there's something to be said that literally when college football for the uniform you're wearing and the like you said, the tradition, et cetera, that has been built through the years that has made you help make you an important dude, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like chicken yeah. or egg a little bit, isn't it? That That is the uh, eternal question, one raised by Jim Delaney many years back when yeah. I think it was the uh, – the Johnny Manziel thing with autographs, you know, it was, he said, it's still the, the name on the front of the Jersey is still more valuable than the name on the back of the Jersey. And yeah. that, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but it is a, a point to be made. The other point is, well, they would be playing somewhere. Um, you know, does the brand make the player or does the player make the brand? I think yeah. that's the, that's the eternal question. It probably won't go away. Yeah, but I just look at all these guys. These uh, almost nameless guys in minor league baseball. You know what I mean? They they're yeah. hoping to get a shot, and uh, you know they're not setting. I mean, they may be setting Durham Bulls records, you know, but that doesn't mean you know anything. You understand what I'm saying? It's just yeah. to me, it's really interesting because the guys of the past helped pave the way, and I'm not, I'm not advocating going back and paying those guys. You know what they're what they're, but uh, it's just an, an interesting time we're in. Hey, last thing before I let you go, because I know you got to get going. You're at Arizona State uh, trying to beat the heat uh, uh <laughs> ohio state alabama i had bill bender from the sporting excuse me from the sporting news on <laughs> uh last week ohio state and alabama on a collision course what is your take uh here a week before the week and a half before the jump off of the 2022 season what, what's your take on on what's coming down the pike uh put georgia in there too because there's that much separation and as we've learned a couple of times, you can still lose the SEC championship game and play for it all. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm really high on Georgia, actually, uh, as well as the other two. They're, they're the two best. But I, I, if you really sit down and look at Georgia, I think they've got a chance to get back. It, yeah. It's those three and then, who, and then who's number four, because I counted it up. Those three schools have played in 33 playoff games and have won seven of the eight college football playoff championships. LSU won the other. Yeah. So what are we talking about? I mean, so it's just, you can't be wrong. Pick a fourth team. I don't know. But I think that's the number one question going into the season. Um, yeah, yeah, look, you get into a playoff, anything can happen. Yes, this is Ohio State's best team since 
2019 maybe the one that, that should have won it all yeah alabama they 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 knew this was going to be good in 22 i was they were telling me in 20 you know you better get us now because we're going to be good in 22 well they lose six first round draft choices and come within 10 minutes of winning a championship again yeah they're loaded this year so um so yeah that would be the obvious the obvious uh, you know matchup in the championship game and Maybe part of that is I, I've never seen it like this. The, yes, the same old teams are in it. But, I, you know, I'll take those three against the field. I don't think anybody else has a chance of winning it. And what, what are you most curious about learning about Ohio State in that Notre Dame game? Obviously, you know, everybody wants to know if they fixed their defense. I guess we're going to find out. But, you know, that may be your answer. But what are you most curious? Or do you, do you have a sense that Ohio State is going to be back in that realm from a defensive standpoint? Just go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I definitely do. I love Jim Knowles. And I, that's my, that was my question. What are they going to look like defensively? I think they're going to be a lot better. Um, you know, there's a, they won the Rose Bowl, but there's a bad taste in some people's mouths defensively. Yeah. Uh, they're more talented than that team was defensively. And so, uh, and, and, and again, prohibitive favorites against Notre Dame, a great matchup, but look, Notre Dame's not ready for prime time yet. I don't think, yeah. uh, especially at Ohio state, this isn't going to be Oregon walking in there and, and bullying the the Buckeyes. So I want to see how good this defense can get because I think it's going to be a lot better. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com. Dennis Dodd, thank you very much for joining the Tim May Podcast again, my man. It's an honor. What do you think, Spence? You think the Big Ten is going to head to 20, 20 teams before this whole thing is over? Like Dennis Dodd said, he could see a whole West Wing there. I don't know if they'd make Martin Sheen the uh, the uh, the the – sub commissioner in the West wing, but he could see them adding at least two more teams from that uh, pack 12 or what's left of the pack 12. But did what, what does your crystal ball tell you, my man? I don't know if it's going to get to 20 Tim, but I can see them adding a couple more teams, but the question that Kevin Warren has to ask himself and that these conference, uh, you know, heavyweights, the, the uh, athletic directors of the league have to ask themselves is, what exactly are they going to gain from some of these schools joining the league? Unless a school can provide, you know, enough proof that they can bring in, that they are worthy of a hundred million dollars a year. There's not really a reason to bring them in. Like if you were to start all this over, you're not going to add Illinois and Purdue again. Those schools don't bring in a hundred million dollars. So why are you going to go out and add, you know, uh, Virginia or Virginia tech, knowing that those two schools don't bring in the type of, fan bases and and revenue that amount up to $100 million. Maybe there's two or three, you know, if you look at Stanford with the way that, that their endowment is and, and the prestigiousness of, of having Stanford in the league, maybe that's worth it. Uh, Notre Dame obviously is the, is the clear cut choice. Um, Oregon and Washington are two nationally known programs up there in the Pacific Northwest that just allow you to further expand that footprint. You know, maybe Clemson and Florida state, if the ACC decides that it's, you know, done being what it is, or if those schools get fed up. But there's not really a lot of options out there of schools that will truly add value to what the league wants to be. And so if you're adding anything less than that, you know, whatever the number is, whether it's 100 million or 80 million, if you're adding anything less than that, I don't see a reason for the Big Ten to bring another school in. And yeah. so if it, if it does expand further, I just think it's going to be absolute heavyweights. You're not going to see you know, a Kansas or a, or a Virginia or a, even maybe even a North Carolina, you know, because basketball only goes so far. You might, I just don't know if it's worth it to bring those kinds of schools in unless it's Notre Dame 
Oregon, Stanford, and Washington. Yeah, as Dennis uh, pointed out too, you know, you heard him in that conversation. Maybe they would take a couple of members on the idea, a couple of other members on the idea that they wouldn't get that that huge share like the rest of them. And like I pointed out, you know, even from the Pac-12, you get a couple of teams still from out there, you know, even a lesser number. Uh, if in fact it a lesser number would still give them a bigger share than what they're going to be getting out of that paltry Pac-12 television uh, package, a uh, broadcast package, uh, which is, you know, really it's kind of a shame the way things have gone out there in a lot of respects. And like you also pointed out, you know, ESPN might be might not be totally out of the picture from the standpoint of it might provide, it might look favorably on uh, being able to add a couple more teams and then maybe jump into that inventory package of doing some games, both football and basketball. You know, it all remains to be seen. I personally think that's a little over the top. I think you're, you're right. I think the number right now, barring getting Notre Dame and one other team, is about where they'd like it to be. And uh, as I think is the television folks told the Big Ten when they were doing this uh, new package, which was much ballyhooed a week ago, uh, the, the pie is, is the pie. Now, if you decide to add two more people to the table, the slices are still going to be the, the slices are going to come out of that same size pie, which means your slice is going to get smaller probably. So, you know, who knows where it's going? I did ask this though. I, after we got to talk to Gene Smith the other day, I pulled him aside and I asked him, you know, when you consider what, like you were just talking about, what teams are worth, uh, isn't Ohio State worth a hell of a lot more to the Big Ten than some of these other teams? And shouldn't it get, from a standpoint of an attractiveness standpoint of drawing eyeballs to, to the television screens, shouldn't it, in that realm, get a bigger slice of the pie? You know, and here's the way he responded. No, we're not going to change our revenue share. Model. Yeah, we're not. Uh, will we look at some different things on helping schools manage expenditures better? Yeah, but we're not going to change the revenue model. I mean, it's we need everyone in the league to be strong, and financial uh, support provides that opportunity. So, yeah, we're you know, Gene Smith has always been, in my opinion, a good member of the club, meaning. He's part about about being an equal member in the in the Big Ten, not throwing his weight around if you don't have to. I'm talking about just his opinions, et cetera. Uh, and he's done – I think he's thrown his weight around more than ever in the last year or so. But uh, with that said, you know, he, he just believes if you're, in a, if you're in a conference, everybody deserves an equal share. And you know, I can see where he's going there, but like I just keep coming back to uh, Spence, uh, Ohio State lights up you know, lights up those ratings when it's on a television package, you know, and like Dennis Dodd, I brought that up to Dennis Dodd and he said, well, you know, they still need someone to play. And I go, yeah, but Ohio State versus Purdue has got to get you a bigger number from a rating standpoint than Indiana versus Purdue. You follow my drift? And uh, I don't know where you come down on that. Where do you come down on that? Well, Tim, I heard something, I think it was a couple of years ago now that I've almost lived by when it comes to conference realignment you know, there's a lot of folks that want to talk about these super leagues, you know, 35 team super league with the best of the SEC and the best of the Big Ten. Well, I got a newsflash for you. If Ohio State and set the seven other best teams in college football are all in an eight team league, somebody's going one and seven. Yeah. Somebody's got to lose. Oh, yeah. So, you know, oh, I've been reminding people of that all along. You think you want this, but do you really want this? <laughs> You know, if the Penn States and the Michigans and the, the Oregons of the world are ready to go five and seven every year, then sure, let's get a 30-team super conference together and just do this thing. Uh, you know, but 
all of that is to say, it's a roundabout way of saying, you know, I don't think Illinois is worth the $80 million, whatever, but they're worth that extra 20 million to take the nine losses a year when Ohio state and Michigan and Penn, and that's a terrible way to look at it. But these conferences, you know, there's a Vanderbilt in every conference, there's an Illinois and a Indiana in every conference. And yes. so equal revenue sharing kind of just makes up for that. It allows them to quote, stay competitive while they also take those losses because Ohio state's got a national ch- title to try to win. Yeah. You know, so, there's, there, there's a Vanderbilt in every NFL, uh, you know, in every NFL uh, conference also, if you follow my drift, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. there are, there are, there are uh, haves and have nots, et cetera. I see what you're saying. Hey, I want to move on real quick. Uh, just get to the final question here. I wanted to ask you before we get out of here. I asked you a while ago, what question got answered in preseason camp to your liking? What's a question Ohio State is still dealing with now a week before, week and a half before the season opener against Notre Dame that, uh, I don't know, that that you still you still need to see a clear answer to? And obviously you've already said the defense, the proof is going to be in the pudding, but you got a sense that this defense is going to be better than it was a year ago. Just have that yeah. sense, right? So what, what, what is, is there a question still lingering in your mind? I think it's more of a broad question, Tim, and I don't mean to beat around the question, but, and I, cause I know you want hard, fast, journalistic, you know, very good answers here. Opinion. I know, yeah. I know who you are, Tim, but I, I think that my biggest question will not be answered until maybe even a few weeks after September 3rd. Uh, I want to know if this truly is, and I know Dennis talked about this a little bit, is this truly Ohio State, Alabama, and everyone else, or is Ohio State going to have to scratch tooth and nail to try to get to Alabama? Because that's the that's the dragon that, that Ryan Day has to slay. You know, he's he's beaten Michigan. I know it didn't beat him the last time. He's won a college football playoff game. He got to that national title game and got, you know, beaten badly by Nick Saban. That's the last dragon that Ryan Day needs to slay, and Ohio State needs to get off their back because they haven't. It's been almost a decade now. So I I just want to know, is this truly the collision course? Because we know Alabama is going to be good. Last year was a rebuilding year, according to Nick Saban. They almost won the, the whole damn thing. And so, you know, with Bryce Young back, with Will Anderson back, with the wide receivers they brought in from the portal, with the running backs they brought in from the portal, that looks like the number one team in the country. You know, we've talked about Ohio State before going in as number two in the country, you know, right behind the Crimson Tide and then not living up to that. Can this Ohio State team push itself for 15 straight weeks or 14 or however long it is until the end of November and into December to get to that point where the semifinals aren't really a formality, but you get the idea that this is going to be those two schools. And if Ohio State comes out and sets the tone against Notre Dame and then follows that up three weeks later, with a, a really good effort against Wisconsin and then can do that against Iowa and stacks those games together, goes to Happy Valley, you're going to get the sense that it is that collision course. It all starts in two weeks, though, and it, like I said, it will set the tone. Is this truly going to be one versus two down, you know, throughout the entire season, or is this going to be one of those Ohio State seasons that you're sweating out some of those games? That's funny. I just want to know who the third receiver is going to be when they run out there. <laughs> well, after Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., is it going to be Mecca Egbuka? Is it going to be Julian Fleming? Is that Elba Camp? I don't know. You took that. You took that Hubble Space Telescope and took a picture of a nebula far, far away. 
and are trying to interpret it. I understand where you're going, man. I mean, great expectations. And Ryan Day, boy, he just – I don't know if he'd have it any other way, but he totally understands what's up. He totally oh. understands that's what pe- – people are almost looking at the end of this thing before they even enjoy the beginning of it. And that's a bad way to live your life, by the way, if, you, in fact, you're doing that. But uh, but it is interesting uh, that, yes, this seems like one of those years. And just like Alabama and Nick Saban indicated last year was a rebuilding year, when you look at what Ohio State went through on defense last year, not just the scheme and stuff, but so many young new players playing regular roles, clearly was a rebuilding year, uh, clearly a first-year starting quarterback, a freshman becoming your number one running back as that season progressed, Travion Henderson I'm talking about, C.J. Stroud before that. Uh, that was a rebuilding year for Ohio State also. And it's it's interesting now, though, that people have picked the usual suspects, including Georgia, to make a run, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and you, that's just the way college football is now. It's it's very, uh, you know, I'm not preaching anything new, but it's, it's top-heavy, and it's going to be top-heavy as long as we can think about the sport being what it is right now. And so – I'm I'm still looking at those usual suspects. I, you know, I won't give a playoff prediction here, but I'm still looking at the usual suspects, and you can name them right off the top of your, you know, yeah. right off the top of your head. Who, who the question, gonna... like Dennis, yeah, like Dennis Dodd brought up. You know, you know who the top three are probably going to be. Who's number four? Who do you think you're? As you sit here right now, we can have before the season starts. Who's your number four? Um, right now, I know everybody goes. Uh, everything could change September third if this team goes into the SEC country and loses. But right now. Despite all those losses on defense, I would I I take Utah over most programs. I mean that that's a physical program. Ohio State has all the talent and, and speed in the world, and Utah was able to kind of slow it down for a little while just because of how physical. Like you have to really be on your your stuff, Tim, to be able yeah. to take on that team for sixty minutes. Yeah, can Florida I... can Florida do that in week one? I don't know. That team ran Oregon off the field twice last year in three weeks. So I'm just not sure who it's going to be that takes Utah down in the Pac-12. And then you're looking at 12-0, and 13-0. and And then in a playoff game, who's tougher? Utah doesn't get out tough very often. So yeah. it's just going to be interesting to me. Right now, that, that'd be my number four team. That makes as much sense as anything, man. I mean, it definitely does. I've got big questions about Oklahoma. Definitely big questions about Texas, for example. Uh, you know, I, I – like I said, if you go to the number four, I don't see the SEC getting more than two teams in, Georgia and Alabama. So, And I see Ohio State uh, basically getting there. Uh, I think that's a good pick. It's funny that, that the Rose Bowl could have been a uh, precursor to the college football playoff of 2022. But, hey, Spence, glue man, thanks for joining me on the Tim May Podcast, man. Let's do this again and often. What do you think? Tim, I'd love to do this again and often. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Hey, and until next week, we're going to be previewing at uh, the season opener and also look back uh, at 20, at 2002, the improbable national championship season. And I'm not saying it came out of nowhere, but it did come out of left field, in my opinion. Going to have a special guest on to talk about that. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, for Spencer Holbrook, glue man, as, as he's known to me and me, we'll see you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.